Welcome to the Irresistible You podcast. This is the place to get a dose of empowerment to create the life you crave and deserve. I'm your host, Amy Beltran, CEO and founder of Irresistible University. Through my podcast and courses, I teach women just like you how to ditch the body image issues, gain confidence, and lose the emotional weight to look and feel irresistible at any size. Welcome to episode 195. In today's episode, I am going to be sharing with you some of my recent experiences Uh, travel experiences. I recently went to um, a conference and Disney World with my daughter. And so I'm going to be sharing with you some of the experiences that I have encountered in this trip, but also in the past being overweight, plus size, fat, curvy, thick, insert your your adjective of choice. Okay. (laughs) But you get my drift and you know where I'm going with this. So We're going to be talking about that, some of my aha moments, and some tips for you when you decide to travel or if you have a trip coming up that you can take with you as well. All right, so last month in September, I went to a conference called Touch by Type 1. It's a conference for anyone who has been touched by type 1 diabetes. I took my daughter who was six. She actually just turned seven a few days ago. So she was six at the time. And it's a trip that just her and I went on. We did the same thing last year for the first time. It was such a good experience. It's a great bonding moment for her and I. And the reason we have started doing this, it's kind of becoming like a little tradition is that I wanted Catalina to be exposed to other people, especially other kids that are living with type 1 diabetes, just like her. She was diagnosed in 2021 at four years old. And so I find it's very important for her to see people that are just like her, right? And going to this conference and being in a room with people where insulin pumps are beeping, uh, glucose monitors are, are, are beeping and no one is looking at you like you have two heads. No one is like, Oh my God, what's that sound? Like no one even skips a beat. You're just like, is that mine or is that yours? Right? (laughs) So it, it just helped to normalize, um, you know, what it's like to live with type one and living with type one and body image are very, very connected, right? Because, Here's my little girl who she has to wear two medical devices on her body. One is on her arm and one is on her leg. It, for people that aren't familiar with that, it gets people staring. It gets people that ask what that is. Um, And so I'm doing the best I can do to instill confidence in her as she grows up and has to navigate this for the rest of her life. There is no, it's the rest of her life, right? So this conference is really important to us for that reason. And also one of the things that Catalina has been working on, she's writing a book about her diagnosis story. And it's, I'm not going to share any details at this time because I want to be able to wait until we're ready to put that out to the world. But it is so creative and so clever and cute. And it's just amazing to see how she interpreted her diagnosis story through these characters. So it's also great on that front because she, you know, it it will help in her writing and understanding, and she wants to be able to help other kids as well. So because the conference is in Orlando, Florida, I mean, we are like 
very big Disney World fan. <laughs> so it's a great excuse to also have a couple days at Disney for her and I without the stroller. You know, I love Javi, but it's just we don't have to stop and change diapers. We don't have to stop and do naps in the stroller. Like we can just run in the park and do our thing and we don't have to worry about you know, anybody else. It's just her and I, which is refreshing and fun. And it, it's just a good bonding experience too. And I think it's helping to create um, some very positive memories tied to type one as well. So we went for four nights this year. Last year, I only did three. And, you know, before you go on a trip, there's a lot of preparation that happens, right? You have to book the trip. <laughs> First and foremost, you have to book it. You have to start packing and you might have to order some new clothes and things like that. So there's a there's something else that not many people talk about, and that is the emotional preparation that comes with travel plans when you are overweight. And I don't even know if, you know, when as you're listening to this, is that even something that you've acknowledged? Like you've probably felt the feelings that I'm going to describe, but never maybe really thought about the fact that, not everybody goes through this, right? Not everybody, people in like, you know, straight sizes or single digit sizes, they don't go through these same things that I'm thinking of. And so let's just, you know, back it up all the way to the, the planning stage, right? Like how many times when you've got this trip that you just booked or you're talking about booking it, that all of a sudden it triggers the weight loss, the like, I got to go the diet response, right? It triggers the diet response of, oh my God, I've got a trip in three months and I really got to try to lose 20 pounds to go on this trip. I think from the very beginning, it can be very triggering that we feel that we have to be a certain size. We have to weigh a certain number before we are worthy of stepping on the airplane or getting in the car to take this vacation or this trip. Okay. So that emotional prep. So think about that. How many times have you gone into absolute panic mode because of this trip coming up? Right. And so you do one of two things. You go on the diet, which can be very unhealthy in itself, or you don't, or you go on a weight loss journey, right? Which can be very healthy when you do it the right way. So there's a couple different ways people can approach this. And I know I've been in all three situations <laughs> in the past where, you know, I've done all of those things. I've done it to where it triggered this like insane dieting. I've also done it to where I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to like, you know, do that. But next thing I know, it's a week before the trip and I haven't done anything. And I am the same weight or maybe I've even gained weight. I would say I'm in the camp right now of just being on a weight loss journey where I know I have this trip coming up and I'm going to just continue doing what I'm doing to learn how to have a better relationship with food, how to take care of my body and how to not do desperate dieting. I'm not desperate dieting anymore. So I would say that's where I'm at. And if I lose weight before the trip, cool. And if I don't, cool. It doesn't matter to me. So the other thing that's really tied to that emotional preparation is the clothes, because that's the thing. We have this vision of what we want to look like or what we want to wear or um, the activities we want to do on this trip that are driving the desperate dieting, 
know if it's a beach trip, we're thinking about the bathing suit or the shorts when it's maybe you're going in the middle of winter, right? And you haven't worn shorts in a long time or you haven't worn shorts in years. And I would say like a trip like Disney, it definitely will trigger, number one, it's hot. So we know we're going to be wearing, um, you know, short sleeves or shorts because it's just, it's like a sauna. It is disgustingly hot because we went in September. It's still like the heat of summer in Orlando. So it triggers that. It can also trigger, oh my God, the weight limit stuff, right? Am I going back to the activities? Am I going to fit? Is there a weight limit? Am I going to be shamed? Am I going to be embarrassed? It starts to bring up all of these feelings. And again, we haven't even packed our suitcase. This is all like the emotional weight, the emotional baggage that we're carrying around. And a lot of times it will stop you from booking the vacation in the first place because you don't think you're worthy of traveling at the size that you are in now, or you're in the situation where you're waiting for the weight, right? You're telling yourself, all right, I want to go on this trip, but I'm going to punish myself and not allow myself to do this until I weigh X, Y, and Z. So, think about that, right? Like I want you to sit in that space for a moment and give it space that how much energy and emotions have you spent on the things that I'm talking about, whether it's the desperate dieting, worrying about your size, worrying about weight limits, am I going to fit all of those fears? Okay. And these fears are okay. They're normal. And what we have to do is we have to acknowledge them. Notice that I don't say accept them because we don't have to accept them. We get to make a decision whether we're going to accept them or choose a different way to think about it, okay? So that's why I want you to sit in that space to acknowledge what feelings are coming up for me when I think about going on a trip that I've always wanted to take or am I avoiding travel because of these things? And you can change the narrative, right? So you have these thoughts come up and then you get to decide, is this true? What, or, you know, let's use something that could very well be true, right? Certain things are going to have a weight limit. Let's say horseback riding or something. Okay. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be, that I'm going to be too heavy to ride a horse. Okay. So number one, do I have the facts to back that up? So going on the website of where this is going to take place and finding out the facts. And then it's like, okay, you either you are or you aren't. So if you are too heavy, okay, is there another alternative? Is there somewhere else that maybe has a higher weight limit? Or do I have to just now say, okay, at this current weight, this is an activity that I'm probably not going to be able to do. And then you have to get down to doing the work on your thoughts and beliefs about that. Okay. And I really caution everybody to not go into desperate dieting mode because that is a, that is not going to solve the problem long-term. We know that what we have to start doing is working on our thoughts and feelings while we go through that transition of losing weight. Okay. So that's the emotional side of preparing for this trip. And, you know, I have been very different sizes from where I'm at now. I've been much, much bigger and I've been much smaller. And 
even though I know, even at the size that I'm at right now. So right now I'm like right around like 225. I'm five foot three. I'm like a size 14, 16, depending on the fit of the, of the clothes. Right. I know that I fit in the airplane. I know that I don't have a problem with the seatbelt. I have in the past been like right at the border where that thing just barely buckled. Okay. And so there was no extra, like, you know how you put your seatbelt on the plane and then you pull the strap. There was no extra <laughs> to pull. It's just that baby's hanging on for dear life. And where I'm at now, you know, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm also not where I was. And I don't take, y'all, I do not ever take it for granted. When I pull that little seatbelt and it's got the long rope, I'm like, yes, girl, you, you, we are proud of this. Okay. And I think I even took a picture. I have to put on Instagram on my flight. I took a picture of, um, the extra seatbelt because <laughs> it's, if you've been there, if you know, you know, and if you've been there, girl, I get it. I've also like, um, had those moments where I like cross my legs in the airplane seat. I'm like, this is a moment. These are those non-scale victories, right? Having the extra seat belt, being able to cross your legs, being able to sit comfortably. I have been on both sides, right? And I want to just say another tip is please take up the space that you need to take up. Stop being afraid to take up space in the world. Okay. You know, I, <laughs> I know in the past, like being larger or even the size I am now, when there's like a smaller person sitting next to me, it's almost like I can remember like being at the window of the airplane and like scooting myself as far into the window in the wall <laughs> as I possibly could so that I didn't impose on the passenger sitting next to me or like moving my arm or like trying to like make myself smaller than I am so that my, you know, big hips aren't spilling into the seat or I'm not bumping into them. Like we're ashamed to take up the space. And when you try to physically make yourself smaller, it's, it's not doing anything. Girl, it's not doing anything. Okay. We can see you. <laughs> we can see your size. We know what your body looks like. You are not helping or doing anybody a favor. Get in that seat and take up the space that you need to take up. You are entitled to take space in the world. You are a human and you exist and you get to take up the space that you take. Period. Period. Okay. So, you know, that's like a big thing though. Or when you go down the aisle and you're like, I can remember like hips, like bumping into like big old ass bumping into people and stuff. Like, you know, it just, these are things that are, if you're having those fears ahead of time, you have to do the emotional thought work to process through it. Okay. Period. You just have to do that. And I will also say that travel helps in your body image journey. It helps get you out of your comfort zone. It helps push you to do things that maybe you thought you couldn't do, especially when you're on a weight loss journey. We have this thing where, you know, when you've been a bigger size in the past and you're losing weight, it's really hard to connect the new body size to your brain, right? Or someone takes a picture of you and you're just expecting to look huge like you have before, and you look at the picture and you're like, oh, who? 
oh, okay. Like, that's me? Okay. <laughs> like, right? Or you get in the airplane seat and you're like, oh, like, what was I worried about? Right? Because that, when you've been large and had those things that I just described, that's a form of trauma. That is traumatizing. It is dehumanizing. It is humiliating. And that stuff stays with you. Even as your body gets smaller, it takes time. And that's why we have to do the emotional weight loss, right? We have to lose the emotional weight so that our brain catches up to the physical changes. And so another thing to help in advance when you're, you know, preparing for a trip, right? So we had, so, okay, so our plan was to stay at Disney. We went to the Art of Animation Resort because Catalina loves, and I mean, I do too, loves the Little Mermaid room. And so we stayed there again. And, you know, we had planned to do Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. Like, we did that last year. So, like, it's just becoming like a tradition. And because we've done Disney before, a couple, she's been, this was her third time. And because we've done it before, I thought, wow, like maybe now she's older, she's taller. Maybe we should go try like Harry Potter over in Universal Studios because I haven't been to Universal Studios since like the early 2000s. I have not seen the Harry po Wizarding World. I was I'm not a huge like Harry Potter person, although my kids have started to get into it. So I was like, well, maybe that would be cool. Like we could go over there and try that. And then as I was doing research, I was seeing a lot of people talking about the ride sizes at Universal and how they are not as large body friendly <laughs> and that some people were have, especially like people that got hips and thighs uh, guilty um, were having a hard time with some, especially in the Harry Potter rides and getting and fitting into some of these rides. And when I tell you that like brought up that anxiety for me, like, Oh my God, like, am I going to fit? Like, is this going to be a thing? Like, I don't even want to have to think about that. Right. And I, so I started doing research, right? And there's, so this is what I wanted to share with you. Facebook groups are such a fabulous resource for travel. There are Facebook groups for plus size travelers. Like there's one called like universal for plus size. I don't know. You just like put those search terms in Facebook and you'll find them. But people have created these groups where, you know, it's one thing to read it on universal's website. Okay, that's not going to be that helpful to me. I want to see and talk to other people that look like me and say, hey, when you rode this, what was the experience? Did you fit? Did you have any like, did you have to get out of line? Because that can be really embarrassing. And so what I find that helps with the emotional preparation that we talked of is getting educated getting researching and getting information that is always for me something that helps build my confidence to go into these groups and find out like what are people's experiences how was that ride for them what was it like and I found it was pretty split like with the with Universal um they are not as size friendly as Disney. I haven't had any issues. Um, and I shared you my statistic, my, my body size. I haven't had any issues on Disney rides. And I've seen people that are very, very large get on rides at Disney and they're fine. Universal seems to be a little bit different. Now we ended up not going to Universal because I realized a good majority of the Harry Potter rides Catalina was not, she's like right below the height requirement. So I was like, you know, 
I just don't think it's going to be worth it. Maybe a year from now or further down the road, then we can go. Maybe we'll go with like the whole family. So we did not end up doing Universal. We we did Disney. Um, where do we? We went to Magic Kingdom, Epcot, and Hollywood Studios while we were there. So, you know, finding out this information in advance can be really helpful for a couple different reasons. Number one, it can put your mind at ease if you are in that place where your body, your new body size is not caught up to your brain, right? Because you're on this journey. Or it can put your mind at ease if you are larger and you're not going to be a certain size by the time of your trip that you just know, you know what, I think I'm going to just skip out on this one because I don't want to feel embarrassed or I don't want to feel ashamed. Um, Because that's a very real and valid thing. And so... You know, there's nothing like if you were to wait in line for an hour or something and then they say, well, I'm going to need you to get off the ride because you don't fit. Like, how embarrassing is that? But I did see um, in Universal where a lot of these rides have the testers out front. So you could always try that as well when you get there. But I'm someone who wants to know things in advance. So I just find that that's very helpful to me and puts my mind at ease. And it's like, okay. Because I've had so many experiences where, like, the whole weight limit thing, like, it's just, it's very traumatizing. And that stuff stays with us. And again, going back to travel can help you in your body image confidence journey. Because let's say you've made this story in your brain. Like, I'm not going to fit. What's the point? I'm not going to fit. And then you push yourself and you're like, you know what? I'm going to just go try. Whatever happens, happens. I'm going to go try. And you get on the ride and you're like, oh, okay, well, okay. Well, I don't know what I was worried about. And it starts to build up that confidence in yourself that, you know, all the years of being overweight or dealing with the inner fat bitch discussions going on in your brain convinced you otherwise that you weren't going to be able to do these things, right? And so that's the thing. You prepare, you research, and you do your thought work ahead of time to deal with the emotional preparation that you are going through by traveling. So um, I think also travel, what I love about travel, I love to experience new things. I love experiences. And I always learn something. Every single trip that I have taken has left an imprint on me in some way. It's it's changed me in some way. It's, it's, um, educated me in some way. It's bettered me in some way. I feel like there's always something that's a takeaway when you go on a trip that you learn and you learn about yourself. Right. And one of the things I learned on this trip, so we went to the type one conference, right. And there are people there from all stages of diabetes. There are, I I met a family, a lovely family last year. They're Um, child had just been diagnosed like literally a couple of days they had just gotten home from the hospital like a couple days before this conference and it's like man like that rawness that I know exactly where they are like I know the feeling I've been there and I know what that feels like to people that have been living with diabetes for 30 40 years right so there's people from all stages of of diagnosis and beyond so one of the things I realized is that so I am now Kat was diagnosed uh, June 2021, so we're a little over two years into this, 
And one of the things that I learned, because I was like, okay, I went to these sessions and I didn't feel like I learned anything like applicable in terms of management or, um, you know, stuff like that. Cause I, again, I've been doing it for over two years now, but here's what I learned. Cause I'm like, no, you did learn something. I learned that I'm more confident and secure in her diabetic management than I thought because I saw other parents who have only been doing this for a few weeks or a few months. And I, and I, it's like, once you're in this group, you can just tell, I can tell the people that are so still tightly wound that they don't know how to let go a little bit. And I realized that I'm not a spaz. I'm not as like, I'm much more confident in the management of T1D than I realized. And I realized that it has become second nature to me in a way, right? I, we obviously, we still have moments where it's like, oh my God, like, like the other day she's, her blood sugar's 45, two arrows pointing straight down. That's terrifying. Okay. But I know what to do. Okay. And I know there point being, I realized I'm a lot further along than I thought I was that we, the way that Frank and I manage her because she's, you know, she just turned seven. She doesn't manage this on her own yet, obviously like the way that we're her pancreas. Okay. The way that we manage her, obviously it's a 24 seven thing, right? But we are not like spastastic about things. Like for example, we're going to Disney world. I'm going to allow my daughter to enjoy the treats that other kids are having. I don't, that's a big thing to me. Right. Um, so the caveat with that is I know she's going to run a little bit higher, but she's also walking and burning a lot of energy. So the insulin that I would have to give her, she would crash much faster anyway. Right. So it's like, knowing these little tricks and techniques and knowing when to back off a little bit and not be like, you can't be controlling about it 24 seven. You just can't. Right. And I don't want to be that parent who's like, you can't have this. You can't have that. I believe I'm in the camp of she can eat what everyone else eats. She just has to dose for it. She just has to take the insulin for it. Now, there are times where she's running high and she will say, hey, can I have this cookie? And I say, here's what I say. You can have it. You just can't have it right now. Let's get your numbers back in range. And then in a, an hour or so, when you get back in range, then you can have it, right? So we don't tell her, you can't have this because you're diabetic. That is not something that goes on in this house or this family, right? It's like, you can have it, but you know what? Let's just get you down a little bit more because you're just a little too high right now. And I know that can be frustrating for a small child at times, but she understands it and she's learning to accept that. So, you know, we very much believe, and there's a book that's actually called this, it's called Child First, Diabetes Second, right? And I will ask myself at times, where sometimes I think, well, I don't really want to, I don't want her to go to that or I don't want her to do this because I'm worried about, uh, about blood sugar. And I will say, nope, Amy, if she wasn't diabetic, 
would it be yes? And I'll go, yeah, of course it would be yes. I'm like, then it's a yes. Figure it out. <laughs> right? Like, if it's a yes, if, if it was a yes for Javi or it was a yes for Kat two years ago, then you need to figure out what you can do on your end to make this work. Okay. And, and that's what we do. So I definitely learned that, um, you know, type one diabetes is a huge part of our life. It does not control our life and that we have got it to a place where, you know, it is second nature at times and it still has its frustrating, terrifying moments too, but we've come a long way. And that's the thing that I walked away from thinking, you know, I just, even for her too, like when I see her with the other kids, they don't talk about diabetes. They just are kids, right? <laughs> like, and that is so awesome to see that, you know, so anyway, so that was one of my big learning experiences and aha moments um, out of the conference and watching her and as well. So there were some times where I knew she was bored. I knew Catalina was bored. And some of the kids' sessions that were supposed to be geared towards children, the learning and development professional in me was screaming because I'm like, you did not think about your audience. <laughs> you did not think about your audience. You were talking to adults, and this is supposed to be a room full of kids. So there were some moments where she was like squirming in her seat, writing on her hand. I'm like, oh my God, is she even getting anything out of this? Like, this is the whole point of this trip. This, the, the point is to come to this conference, and the bonus is to go to Disney for a couple nights because we're already here, right? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, is she getting anything? And so we got home to the room, and I said, all right, so tell me. Tell me one thing, one takeaway today that you learned from the conference. And she said, I learned diabetes doesn't matter. And I said, can you explain that? What do you mean by that? She said, it means it doesn't matter. It's not going to stop me from doing what I want to do in my life. And I just – I. I'm like tearing up thinking about it now. Like, and I'm like, okay, she's listening. Like she might be fidgeting in her seat, but she's absorbing, she's observing and she's listening. And to me, that is such a big takeaway. Like they had a NASCAR driver who's type one who did um, the opening keynote and you know, just her seeing these people is it's, it's just, it's priceless. Right. And I'm like, okay, she gets it. She's, if that's her biggest takeaway, then we are winning right now. <laughs> like that is huge. Um, because again, what like I said at the beginning, one of the reasons for us doing this trip is I want to normalize life with type one. I want her to feel seen. I want her to feel heard. I want her to feel accepted and I want her to feel, um, that she's not different, that she's just like everyone else, right? And I want her to, like, never be ashamed of having to wear these two devices on her body. Like, I always tell her, like, we don't need to cover those up. Like, you you rock it. It is part of your body. Like, be proud. Who? And I said, if anyone has a problem with it, they're the problem, not you, right? I said, it's, it's perfectly fine for kids to be curious and ask you, Hey, what's that? Because they've never seen it before. And the good kids, 
the ones that have good parenting <laughs> say, hey, what's that? And she explains it and they're like, oh, okay, you want to go play? <laughs> like they don't care. It's just they satisfied their curiosity and they're on to the next thing. And I said, if anyone ever gives you a hard time or is nasty to you about it, they are the problem, not you. So, you know, I experienced bullying as a bullying as a child. I was fearful of bullying before type one was even part of our life. And now with type one as part of our life, it's definitely something I think about all the time. Like anyway, so that was her takeaway and that was mine. And I'm like, this is, this is great. So, um, it was worth it. Every single, you know, thing that came into the process of planning for this trip was a hundred percent worth it. All right, let's just go back to, I'm gonna go back to the ride thing for a second. So I've been to Disney many, many, many times. Um, in the past, I used to work in the travel industry. I've been to Disney a bunch of times. This is my third year in a row going, um, with my fan. Well, just me and her the last two years and the year before that was like the whole family. So, I'm very confident about the rides. Like I know I'm going to fit. I know that there's no issues with anything like that. However, there was a ride um, and it's actually one of my favorites. It's called Big Thunder Mountain. It's like a roller coaster. And it's one of the roller coasters where it seats two people and the bar goes across both of you. I hate those. I hate those when you have kids because I don't care if you're overweight or not overweight. The bar is going to have too much of a gap for your child. So we were on Big Thunder Mountain, pulled the bar down, and on one of the little dips going down, Catalina starts sliding. And I was I'm gonna tell, I was a little scared for a second because she starts to slide because she's tiny. She starts to slide down, right? I knew there was no way she could actually come out, but it was a little uh, nerve-wracking, to say the least. And so... I could have created a whole story. Oh, you're so fat. Your daughter could have fallen out of this roller coaster. It's because your your big old stomach, it's all your fault. And it's like, no. No. Let's let's get the facts. And what I just said, right? Is that even if you are straight size and you're riding with a 6-year-old, the bar is going to have a big gap. Okay? It might have a little bit of a bigger gap because I of me, but Let's just like, that's when you have to take that thought and go, no, we're being irrational here. Okay. And you're confronting that fear. Cause you could really, I could really spiral into that inner fat bitch talk that I was just going into. Right. And we're not doing that because it's not, it's pointless, right? There's no point in that. When I noticed it was happening, cause I was going to film us on the ride. And so I put my phone down. It's on a chain. Don't worry. I put my phone down and I put my arm, like I helped push, like pull her back up in the seat. And I kept my arm like around her body for the rest of the ride. Cause I saw she was a little scared too. And, and, and then we just went on about our day. And so, you know, you're going to have those moments where maybe something like that happens. I've also been in the boat where, you know, you have the one bar and you got the skinny friend and you're the bigger friend. And now the skinny friend has like this big gap, right? <laughs> like, yes, like it can be a little embarrassing, but it is what it is. So, you know, do what you need to do ahead of time to do the thought work, to plan, to research, to ask questions. And you can reach out to me too. Like I, I always love answering questions like that. So if you want to reach out to me, you can do this. You can do that as well over on Instagram. So again, all of this 
is going to teach you things about yourself. Whether you have that good experience or that not so great experience, it's going to teach you things about yourself and it's going to help in your own journey with your body and your confidence. All right, so back to some other tips here. So we talked about the Facebook groups, joining some plus size travel Facebook groups and communities to get insights, ask questions. Again, you can reach out to me as well. Um, the other thing too is wardrobe and clothing. Like, you know, finding choices of clothing that are going to make you feel comfortable and confident on your trip. I don't know why it is when we travel and let's say we wear the same type of outfits every week when we're at home. And then when we travel, we think that we need to buy all this new stuff and it, it's, it can get, it can turn into a whole thing, but I have got it down to a science with traveling to where I know what I'm going to wear in the airport coming and going. I'm going to keep things really simple. And I'm someone who loves fashion. I love clothes, but Disney we're, it's simple, right? It's biker shorts and a tank. It's biker shorts and a, t a theme t-shirt. You're not like, I'm not going there and dressing up and doing all that crazy stuff. Um, it's 125 degrees. I'm sweating and it's just, you know, whatever, but you want to have clothing choices that are going to make you feel comfortable and make you feel confident. And I'm all about that. So, um, I might do an episode uh, maybe on video also, um, like a video podcast where I kind of go over some of my items that I really like. They're like my staples that I always use. If that's something you want to see, let me know. Um, again, we talked about research when planning your trips. If, you know, if you're going to be doing certain activities that you know have a height requirement or a weight requirement, you know, do that research ahead of time and have a plan of attack based on the research and the information that you are able to uncover. And just know that all these feelings are valid. They are real. You know, I don't think skinny people go through, I mean, I don't know. I don't speak from their experience, but I know being overweight, being plus size, like I definitely speak from this point of view. I definitely travel the world from this point of view. I always have. I've never been small. Um, so I completely understand it and I get it. The biggest takeaway that I want you to walk away from today when you finish this episode is don't wait for the weight. Don't wait for the weight to live your life. Don't wait for the weight to plan experiences and trips that you crave, right? Don't tell your, like, don't punish yourself and say, well, I can't do that right now because I weigh 300 pounds or I weigh 250 or I weigh this or I'm this size. Like, you have to, that's the whole entire meaning of irresistible you, right? Is to stop waiting for the weight, to do things now before you're ready for them, before you, like everyone's always saying like, well, I'll do that when I have enough confidence. Well, how are you going to build confidence if you don't do things? The only way to build confidence is to take action before you are ready. When you take imperfect action and you challenge yourself, that is how you build confidence. You don't build conf like, you know, I love my podcast and I love that you listen to my podcast, but just listening to my podcast isn't going to build confidence in yourself. 
It might be the thing that triggers you to start working on yourself. It might be the thing that inspires you to start working on yourself. But until you put yourself out there, you won't build confidence. You can't build confidence listening to a podcast or reading a book. You have to take that podcast, take that book, take the things that you're learning and then go out into the real world and apply them. That's how you build confidence. You take the vacation before you're at your goal weight. You put the bathing suit on before you're at your goal weight. You get on the roller coaster before you're at your goal weight. You do the things you've always wanted to do before you get to your goal weight. Because what if your goal weight never comes? What if it never comes for a variety of reasons? And then you wake up one day, 10, 20 plus years have gone by that you've been putting your life on hold all because of some pounds. Is that really going to be worth it to you? And I find that when you put yourself out there to do things imperfectly so that you can build your confidence, it then creates a domino effect to build more confidence in yourself to take better care of yourself, which means you start treating yourself better, you start eating better, you start moving more, and that leads to long-lasting weight loss. While at the same time, learning how to love yourself down the scale, learning how to love yourself at your highest weight, your middle weight, and your lowest weight. Because if you can't learn to love yourself at your highest weight, it's not going to show up at the front door. It's not going to show up in an Amazon Prime package on your front door like, hey, bitch, you know, uh, you weigh 120 pounds. Now, guess what? Here's your confidence. Two-day shipping. <laughs> like, that's not happening. Okay, so you have to learn how to love yourself down the scale at your highest weight. You better stop beating yourself up and talking shit to your fat pictures. All of that needs to stop. How many times you look at your before pictures or your highest weight picture? Oh, that fat bitch. Look at me. I'm so disgusting. I can't believe I let myself go and on and on and on and on. How about you have some compassion? How about you have some respect? How about you have some grace, some compassion for that person that you were and what you were going through at the time? Because chances are when you're at your highest weight, you probably weren't going through the best circumstances in life. I guarantee you probably were not. So how about some compassion? How about you stop bullying your old self, your bigger self? And that goes, if you're still your highest weight, you better stop doing that stuff. You know, being a certain size, losing weight is not a prerequisite for talking nice to yourself. You can talk nice to yourself. You can think good things about yourself. You can be confident in yourself no matter what size you are at. And y'all got to stop putting things on hold. You got to stop waiting for the weight to get on that airplane. You, you know what? If you need a seat extender, girl, go get you one. Okay, Amazon. I bet you they got them on Amazon. You can ask the flight attendant. They can bring you one. If you are worried about those kinds of things, then figure it out. Figure it out so that you can stop sitting at home feeling sorry for yourself. There is always a solution to your problem, okay? If you are 350 pounds and you have a trip coming up two months from now, you're not going to magically be at your goal weight, okay? 
That's not going to happen. You might lose a few pounds if you're, you know, working towards that, but you're not going to be at your goal in two months. So figure out what you need to do in order to have the best experience you can have. And, you know, I have been in that place where I am so pissed and angry and hating myself for what I look like that I go on a trip and I don't enjoy it. Everything feels disgusting. Everything feels gross. You avoid the pictures. You avoid the experiences. It is a miserable existence to go through life like that. Miserable. You know, so figure it out ahead of time so that, you know, you might be a larger size. You might be bigger than you want to be, but you don't have to let that ruin this precious time that you've been given to go on a trip. Quite frankly, this applies to anything in your life. It doesn't have to just mean get on an airplane and go on somewhere. This applies to anything in your life. But we got to have compassion for ourselves, but we also have to decide that we're also not here to have a pity party, honey, okay? Your pity party needs a start and an end time. We can sit around and feel sorry for ourselves and roll around in our grief and our, you know, I wish I was small. I wish I looked like this. Okay, then let's take action. Let's start taking action. And action doesn't equal desperate dieting. Okay, action equals, how about you learn how to talk to yourself like a human being? How about you learn how to think about yourself like a human being? How about you stop listening to the inner fat bitch dialogue that's going on in your head? And how about you decide, I can change the inner fat bitch dialogue. That is the beginning of changing your physical. Okay, until you get that right, until you lose this emotional weight, until you learn how to talk to yourself better, you're never going to get the physical weight off. You might get it off through desperate dieting. And guess what happens after desperate dieting? Desperate binging. Okay, because all that deprivation, all that desperation, you're just like, oh, man, food. I'm going to eat all the food because I, now I have it. Like I've been like depriving myself for so long. Do you know? Okay, y'all know the original name of my blog is what? Irresistible Icing, right? It's the name of my Instagram handle. That story came from my obsession with buttercream icing. Do you know? So Frank's birthday was October 10th, okay? And I got a cake and we all had a slice. And I think we all had a second slice the next day or something. That cake got thrown away on the 20th of October. <laughs> like a buttercream icing cake got thrown away in my house. I had access to this cake every single night, every single day. Did I sit around and like, like I had a, you know, I had my slices and I was good. My point is, is that when you stop desperate dieting, you stop the cycle, right? The binge cycle, the emotional eating cycle. You know, I allow myself to have cake if I want to have cake and I don't guilt myself about doing it. Okay. I also don't, I also no longer sit in the bathtub with a six pack of cupcakes and stuff my face. True story. Okay. So like, spiraling into desperate dieting for this trip or this event or this whatever that's happening in your life will not end well. 
And then you get that anxiety. Oh, this trip, I got to lose the weight in a certain time frame. And it's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Like, what if you just decided to start working on yourself? And as a result, as a side effect, the weight starts to come off. Because you're learning how to talk to yourself. You're learning how to not use food as a therapist, as a coping mechanism. You're not using food as a BFF. Okay? So there's a lot of layers to this journey, as you know, a lot. And no matter where you are in this journey, it all boils back down to your thoughts your feelings and your actions, right? Your thoughts turn into feelings. Your feelings drive your actions, right? If I'm thinking, oh, I'm such a fat bitch. I'm so disgusting. I should lose weight. Well, now I feel anxious, depressed, angry, right? And so those actions are going to do one of two things. Number one, it's going to cause me to go desperate diet. Number two, it's going to cause me to binge because what's the point anyway? What's the point? What's the point? You said you said it yourself. You're a disgusting fat bitch. So I might as well go binge. Might as well go eat half this birthday cake that's just sitting here. Just because. And eat it until I want to vomit. Let's do it. It's going to cause one of those two things. But if you can start with the, feel, the thought and you change the thought, like, yes, I'm fat. I am not where I want to be. I want to lose weight because I want to look and feel better. My body is not where I want it. But this is where I am today. Meet yourself where you are. This is where I am today. And I am doing what I can do to work my way back down the scale and love myself at the same time. That is not acceptance. That's acknowledgement. Because a lot of people think, well, if I, if I love myself at my high weight, then that means I'm going to just accept that it's okay to be fat. Okay, for some people, it is okay to be fat. They want to be that way. That's fine. You don't have to lose weight. That is a personal decision. But then ask yourself why you want that decision or why you don't want that decision, right? But that's a personal decision. But if that's a decision you've made that I do want to lose weight, well, okay, like we don't have to wait for the weight. We don't have to wait until we're a certain size. We need to do the work now on the thoughts and the feelings because that is going to ultimately drive our action. Right? You feel me? So, okay, rant over. <laughs> rant over. Y'all know once I start. Um, okay, we're almost at an hour. I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this baby up, put a bow on it because we are done. So, again... Stop waiting for the wait. Girl, book that trip. Okay, book the trip. I don't care. Like, stop making excuses. Go book the trip. Do it. Do it. All right. This is going to be all for today, guys. If you love Irresistible You, the podcast, any episode, if you like this episode, if it has helped you in any way in your life, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. That helps other people find the podcast because algorithms. Yeah, I know. All right. Again, you can also connect with me over on Instagram at Irresistible Icing. I will catch you guys in the next episode. Until then, stay irresistible. Bye, guys.